Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's <laughs> reading with you, thinking you're just going to love her latest selection? And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they recommended. That's us. Mm -hmm. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read, I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds and invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. Ugh. <laughs> I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your spell, your spells, your elves and space operas. I will keep my spells. Thank you. <laughs> I will write a book about them. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked up on her own. Even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? We'll see. I'm going to start off with a spoiler alert. I think that's an excellent choice. Uh, well, first I'm going to start off... I'm really going to start off, my start start off okay. is going to be with the title of the book. Early start. Correct. Yes. Okay. And I like it, it. It was The Likeness by Tana French. And now I'm going to do the spoiler alert. I'm ready. Okay. Um, Wait, don't spoil it. Oh, no, I've read it already. <laughs> Now's the time for us to warn you that we're going to talk about the whole book, including the ending. And there's some weird twists in this book. So if you haven't read a book, read it yet and you don't want us to spoil anything for you, please stop listening now and join us again after you've read it or decided that you're just not going to. And I'm going to withhold my comments <laughs> so as to maintain the mystery further into the podcast. Hmm, I'm thinking there's not going to be a lot of mystery here. No, there is mystery. Interesting. There is mystery in the book. There's mystery in life. Hmm. There's mystery in this podcast. It's super profound. I know. I'm feeling very epic today. Wow. That's a callback to our last book, by the way. Epic. Epic, because she wanted to be legendary. That's true. I know. Okay. See how I retain things? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you all can't see the grand eye roll I just received, but it looked like it hurt a little bit. Well, they heard it. They didn't see it, but they heard it. It made a lot of noise. So Tana French is an American author, which is weird because she's like totally obsessed with Ireland. She is. I looked up a picture of her. Uh-huh. And I... I have been to Ireland, uh -huh. and I thought, she looks like a native Irish person. Yes. Uh, and she's not. She's nope. born in Vermont. Yes. But she's of Irish descent. Yes. Yeah. And um, her dad had a job that made them move around a lot when she was a little kid. So um, I think many of her formative years were in the U.S., but she also lived in a lot of other countries. And then in the 1990s, she settled in uh, Ireland and has lived mm -hmm. there ever since. So she's, you know, honorary Irish at this point, I suppose. I liked that she trained as a professional actress. Yes. And I did not know that before I read the book. So then I was thinking back on it and wondering, like, I wonder if her professional training in that area affected how she staged them in the book and mm. how she had them speak in the book. And right. I'm not going to go back and read it again because it's a very lengthy book. It is. And long. we have many more podcasts to do coming up. So sure. maybe later. Well, so... I think your observation is, leads me into one of my observations, which is um, her writing was very, she used every sense that people have. She t described stuff, the smells of everything, the taste of everything, the sound of the leaves crunching. So I wonder if that had to do with her theatrical background, like it being more sense-driven than other authors might be. I would agree with that. I think that she, she used every opportunity to make you think about the place setting mm -hmm. and why they were there and what they were experiencing. 
um, there are a lot of characters in this book, mm -hmm. and I had a hard time, at least through the first half of it, distinguishing between them. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because they were, they were like a collective. Mm -hmm. uh, but the place I could easily identify. Yeah. The White White Thorn Manor, White Thorn House Palace. I think it was just house. Sure. <laughs> Felt like a palace by the time we were done because <laughs> there was so much description of it. it yes. Was, the place was built up. The town, which I am never going to say right, but you listen to it. Glenskeegee. Glen I'm sorry? Glenskeegee. Skeegee? Uh-huh. There was no extra G in there. Don't know what to say. Okay. I don't know how Glen it's spelled. Glenskeegee. <laughs> nope. Okay. Well, <laughs> that place. I feel like I knew that place. Mm -hmm. She described the buildings that were there, um, the way you could barely hear cars on the road, mm -hmm. the like the window blinds that you could see as people flick them open and close right. really quickly because they're being nosy, nosy about their neighbors. Mm -hmm. So the setting, I got. Right. The people took longer. And I think that, you know, as you just pointed out, I listen, and the narrator did such a fabulous job of distinguishing voices mm -hmm. that it was super easy for me to figure out who was talking because ah. they had different accents. And okay. I think, I wonder if that made it easier for me than it would have had I been reading the book. Do you want to give a little overview of the storyline? Yes, Since I think I'm that's... talking about the collective group of people, and we don't want our listeners to think it was like, like one giant hive mind this is not a science fiction book, nope. so it's not like there was one globular being with <laughs> lots of heads that came off of it. This is a straight, um, it's not a crime procedural. It's a suspense. Yeah, it's like a thriller, kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Cassie Maddox is our protagonist, and she is a detective who has a backstory that you kind of get to know as the story progresses and maybe not get to know as much as you want. <laughs> um, and she is uh, looped into an undercover sort of sting operation mm -hmm. because a woman, she had years ago, Cassie and um, uh, one of her colleagues, Frank, had created uh, an undercover persona for mm -hmm. Cassie. And then she got pulled out of that job. And so the, the character, that persona, just sort of lingered. Yeah. And somebody unbeknownst to them stepped in and took it over yep. and then was murdered. So Cassie's boyfriend, who's also a detective, his name is Sam, found, got called to the scene for this and freaked out and thought it was her. Yep. That's how much the, the persona and Cassie look alike. And then Frank was his partner on this, and they do not get along, Sam and Frank. <laughs> and so Frank figured out a way to kind of schnooker her or manipulate her, I guess. Oh yeah, he did. Into um, jumping in and being, and, and what he sort of called investigating from within. And um, Sam has a real issue with this because he thinks Sam's, uh, he thinks Frank's just being like uh, really macho about this, that it's totally not necessary and he's putting somebody at risk yeah, when they no could reason. just regularly, like he's taking advantage of this spectacularly weird situation just because he can. Yes. And, um, so Cassie adopts, readopts this persona that she and Frank made up years ago, mm -hmm. uh, Lexi Madison. And then um, they figure out a way to put her back into the situation, the house she lived in, with the people that they think killed her. Yep. And then she goes about her life trying to figure out which one of them did it. So yes. is that excellent All synopsis. we need to know? Okay. The, so the group of people that she moves in with, the one that I've been calling the collective in my head, mm -hmm. is actually four people, mm -hmm. and they're all housemates. And it, it was it was such an interesting and kind of weird story. Mm -hmm. um, 
I found myself getting sucked into some parts of it. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then other parts I was not, it, they just didn't grab me as much. Okay. So I, it was kind of like when you watch a movie and you're like, oh, that part's really long and slow. <laughs> and then it speeds up again and then it's long and slow. And the parts where it was focused on the housemates, at least for the first half of the book or so, the distinguishments and the characteristics that she developed for the places and the smells and the, the sensory pieces did not translate as well for me about the people mm -hmm. because I was reading it, I wasn't listening to it. Right. And there were so many characters who were all dominant yes. at the first part that I would have to flip back and forth and go, okay, now which one was that? Yeah. What was their distinction characteristics? And is that, would that have been inaccurate or are they you know, putting on a facade because they were the murderer because I don't know their character well enough at this point to know what, what's real for them and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And they were just such a weird group of people. <laughs> they were weird. Yes. So um, They're grad students. That doesn't make them weird. They're perpetual grad students. Yes. These, yes. So the antisocial grad students. Yes. So Cassie, the detective, mm -hmm. is, is playing undercover Lexi, mm -hmm. the post-doc, uh, post-grad student. And she and her four roommates are all doing graduate work in English literature, or Norse literature, I think, for one of them. And they're just, they did not read as real people to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know those people. Right. And maybe that's just not the world that I live in. Right. But it was, like, they, they have this house that they inherited, and they live this just really trippy, idyllic life. Like, they spend their afternoons sanding the floor because they're trying to rehab this house, and then they're in grad school during the day, and they're always together. Mm -hmm. Always. And I recognize that this book was written... 10 years ago Yeah, that's about right. And so, you know, they maybe had more of a choice at that point about pushing technology out of their lives. Mm -hmm. But uh, it just seemed unrealistic to me that they were that disconnected from everyone else and that forcefully connected with each other. Like they had made this family and come hell or high water, that was all they were going to have. Everybody else was not a part of it. So I agree with all of that. Um, I think that, that that was part of the intention. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know if you just thought it was Oh, no, no. Weird. I got it. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's intentional. Yeah. Um, and I also think that at the end, when you find out that Daniel has kind of manipulated this whole situation, oh, yeah. that shows that the other three were really just Vulnerable. victims yeah. of his cult of personality, yes. essentially. Yeah. Um, which I liked because you... <laughs> I thought she did a nice job of kind of giving a nod to it along the way, yeah. um, but you d I didn't get the sense that any of them were shrinking violets where they... Justin, maybe. Justin, maybe. He, he um, was But he Rafe sad. and Abby, they had spines and they had yeah. opinions and they got, you know, angry with each other. And um, now Abby definitely was more vulnerable to Daniel yes. and his persuasion. But yeah. um, anyway, I thought she did kind of an interesting job setting them up as this they were kind of the dorks of the class who found each other and then decided, rightly or wrongly, that they could be enough for each other. And that's a weird decision to make. It is. I think the problem for me is that I read this book and we are still in a pandemic. <laughs> and it made me sad. Yeah. Like the story made me sad. Yeah. Not, 
Not even the murder part of it, which should make me sad. <laughs> because at that at least that part, you know, I know it's a character, it's a story, it's right. and you had to have a push to get drawn into this. And you never knew her, so it wasn't yeah. like you lost somebody. No, exactly. It was a right at the beginning of the book. Yeah. It was it was unfortunate, but it was a procedural piece to move you along. Right. But the group of the four of them, the further into the book you get, uh, the worse I felt for them. Yeah. Daniel was this purposefully manipulative, um, his his emotional range was, there was something off about yes, it. for sure. Yeah, like, I'm not going to say he's a sociopath because I'm not a psychologist and I don't right. know that. He, I'm sure he has many feelings and he showed them at the end of the story when he literally took a bullet for, for his family that right. he made. But he was purposely manipulative and so I had a hard time connecting with him the further into the story as you got to know it. Yeah. And the other ones were just allowing themselves to be dragged down into this place where he controlled all these facets of their life because they wanted to or because it was easier or because they felt a sense of obligation because he let them buy into this house. Or he gifted uh, them into the house. He gifted them into the house. And they, you know, here's the spoiler alert point. They were all aware of what happened with yeah. Lexi's murder. Right. So all those pieces that tied together. And then you get to the end and I just thought, well, okay, <laughs> I guess. It was well written. It was obviously plotted methodically. Yes. There are very few loose ends, although there's one big one that I will come to in a little bit. Okay. And it's not even a loose end. I just didn't like it. Okay. Um, but it, it just made me sad. Yeah. I don't want to read books that make me sad right now. So I fully agree, yeah. and I've read this, I've listened to this two other times. Yeah. Um, and when I was listening for for today, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is too hard for the, the, I have to, it's too thinky. I don't want to think this much <laughs> because right now I really want dumb, dumb books that just make me happy. Yeah. And, and I this always, was not it. <laughs> I always either want the, the, the kind of brain candy books. Right. Because, you know, it's nice to have something you can escape into, yeah. which is a whole lot of why I enjoy science fiction and fantasy. Right. But also, this is grounded in real life. Horrible yep. things happen. Yep. And I just did not want one more. And I think the thing that appealed to me about this is that most of the characters, to me, and I, I would say when I'm saying most, Frank, Sam, and Cassie, sure. are very three-dimensional. Like, they're very yep. well-developed um, and... I liked the tension between and among them. Like mm -hmm. Cassie has a really, really, really conflicted relationship with Frank. Frank yes. is very overwhelming, very good at his job. She craves his um, praise yeah. and she knows he's manipulating her at the same time. And so they don't trust each other. And at one point she's mic'd up, you know, cause she's mm -hmm. undercover and she has sworn to him that she will keep the mic on. She's gonna be, you know, be a team player. And she actually opens her shirt, shows her wire to Daniel mm -hmm. while she's living in his house. And she and he, she knows he has a gun mm -hmm. and puts on music so that she can leave the wire in the house while yeah. she goes out and has a tete-a-tete -tete with Daniel, who she thinks may have killed Lexi. Yep. And so she takes this ridiculous risk and she's putting in the dark the, the only person that can save her. Yep. And yet, it was not necessarily a bad decision. So it's really, I thought it was very complicated mm -hmm. and interesting. And I think if somebody just kind of told me in a synopsis all of the chances she takes and mm -hmm. that she did this and that and the other thing, I would go, yeah, I'm not sure I could buy it. But I think she did a pretty good job of weaving the story yeah. so that you can go, that's not a great decision, but I see why she made it. Agreed. I 
I didn't like any of the characters particularly much, yeah. but I understood their rationale. Um, Wait, you didn't like Sam? I no. think. Well, why? Tell me about that. I can't believe you didn't like Sam. I just didn't get enough from him. He, <gasps> as much as you said, Cassie and Frank and Sam are all very three-dimensional. Mm -hmm. I agree that Cassie and Frank are. Mm -hmm. I think Sam was kind of a side character. He was mm -hmm. there to ground. Cassie, mm -hmm. he was there to pull her back at the end. Mm -hmm. He was there to act as a foil for Frank. Mm -hmm. But I have no idea outside of that, in part because I didn't read the first book. <laughs> so, whoops, beef number one I have with you is I- <laughs> Wait, about the podcast or about life? Podcast, okay, just and this to... book in specific. Okay, good. So the, the, this is not my actual big like, what was happening here, okay. this was just, I had gotten maybe 50 pages. Of, oh, and by the way, I didn't start this yesterday, so good for me. I started it like three days ago. I know. So much lead time. Wow. I don't, I don't know how I managed it. But I don't know I, how you still remember I it. I forced myself to. The pages are like onion paper, so I, was, <laughs> I gave myself a, a moment and said, you're probably not going to read this in one night. So this book is the second book in a series. Mm -hmm. And we've done books out of order in series before. I have done that to you. Sure. But th And this one, uh, it's called the Dublin Murder Squad series, yeah, something like right. that. Yep. And each book apparently has a different protagonist. Mm -hmm. So the first book wasn't, Cassie was not the lead in it, but she was heavily involved in the story. Yes. So I had gotten maybe 50, 50 pages into this, and I came and asked you, and I said, <laughs> is it? Was there a book before this? And you told me, yes, there was, but you don't need, you don't have to have read it right. to get the story, which is, I suppose, technically true. <laughs> but every, there were so many callbacks to that first book and to, so this case was called Operation Mirror mm -hmm. because they looked alike. Right. And last one was called Operation Vestal. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, mm -hmm. because I didn't read the book. But I have <laughs> gathered through context clues that... Cassie and her former partner and Sam were all involved in that book. And I wonder if I would have more understanding for Cassie's process in the likeness if I had read the first book. Sure. I had a really hard time understanding how she, as a professional trained detective mm -hmm. who had been undercover before, could get so sucked in to this life that these right. other people were living and in such a short time period. Yeah, oh yeah, she was wrecked by it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I kept thinking like, did I, would I get this more right. if I had read the first book? So I took it upon myself to make it even more of a mystery by not setting any ground so cruel. groundwork for you. Cruel. So you're welcome. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and, and the only reason that I felt okay doing this to you, in all honesty, is it was the first book I had read. I, I didn't yeah. read um, the first book in the series. Rob is her um, partner in, the, yeah. in Operation Vestal. In the woods, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I read that later, and it was fine, but I think this is a much more interesting book. So okay. I jumped in with that, and I guess because of the way I listen or read, I, it just rolled off of me. I didn't have a problem with it. You're much more detail-oriented. Well, there, there kept being these moments, and I would try and think back, like, mm -hmm. did I... Did I miss something? Mm -hmm. Or is this just such a detailed backstory <laughs> right. that we're going to have a prequel at some point <laughs> that gives us more information? So w would I have understood more? Like, she fell so deep so fast into that friend group right. and into the persona of Lexi. Is that because of what happened in the first book? I would like to have a very strong and very well thought out opinion on that. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. Fine. 
<laughs> I'm going to say that I'm right because sure. you know. Sure, I'll agree because it'll, it's easier. Um, so tell me what, tell me the thread you didn't like. Okay, the book is called The Likeness. Uh -huh. And the whole premise of the book is that Lexi, mm -hmm. the dead girl at the beginning, and Cassie, the detective, look almost exactly the same. So much so that her boyfriend mistook her for the dead girl yes. at the beginning. So she had to do like a week's worth of training in advance. Mm -hmm. So they watched videos of her and her mannerisms, they listened to audio clips, they looked at her writing, all of those things. But those are like dressing. Yeah. And she was this other person. Yes. <laughs> and there's, there's like no explanation for it. <laughs> I mean, you get to the end of the book and they tell you a little bit about the background of Lexi right. and how she came to be here and how she had kind of hopscotched her way across the world. But you don't actually get any kind of information or explanation about right. why these two women are identical copies of each other. Right. And I, I, I got to the end of the book and I was like, well, what? <laughs> what next? Like, what is that? Why is she the likeness? Where did the likeness come from? So, now wait a second. Don't you remember the multiple times where she says, I look nothing like my Irish relatives, uh -huh. I look like my French side. Uh -huh. So, this woman can't be Irish because uh -huh. Ireland's so small, you run into somebody you're related to everywhere. Uh -huh. So, that's, I am unusual looking in Ireland. But not in the rest of the world. Well, so, and then the other thing is, Lexi, the, the imposter, yeah. happens to be in the town that Trinity is in, in yeah. Glenskeegee. Glenskeegee. Yeah. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and people start coming up to her. And this is what Cassie kind of piecemeals together after, yeah. after the fact. Um, so people start coming up to her and saying, hey, Lexi, I haven't seen you in such a long time. And then finally she says, wow, I must look like this Lexi woman. Mm -hmm. I, this could be a great gig for me. Because mm -hmm. we learn after the fact that she's a grifter yep. and she has taken advantage of multiple people. She, she had an unhappy childhood mm -hmm. and she ran away as a 14, 15 year old. Somewhere in there, yeah. And she's just been adopting persona for you know, a couple years at a time yeah. and then moving along when something got too close. Yeah, but I, uh, those are all facts, uh -huh. and I appreciate them. <laughs> However, that does, not, not enough. There, that does not discount for me the extreme unlikeliness of finding someone anywhere right. that is your identical twin if you are not actually family somewhere down the path. Okay, I beg to differ. I will okay, tell you, let's go back. We started in 19, oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> This was before the podcast was on when we were chatting casually, so no one else is going to remember that this part. <laughs> yeah, this you have to thing. stick with podcast-related topics. Yeah, I think I should. So, uh, early '90s, I'm in college and in a Virginia State school, and I go across campus, and people are waving at me. People I have never seen in my life, and then Grifter! It keeps happening. <laughs> One of my pretty good friends was in my suite and like punched me in the arm and said, why didn't you say hello to me today? And I was like, because I didn't see you today. And he said, yes, you did. And he gave me a specific time and place. And I said, no, I was in class on the other side of campus then. No. Mm -hmm. I said, what was I wearing? A purple shirt. Nope. So this happened so frequently to me. <laughs> and then I got my hair cut really, really short. And that's when people were like, oh, you have a doppelganger. Mm -hmm. And these are people that really knew me. And they regularly thought it was when I got my hair cut. That's the only time they could tell me and this other woman apart. And you didn't think like, oh, I have got to go back on our family trees and figure out where we are related. Nope. I just thought, wow, 
That's weird. Oh no. And I, I never met her. I never ran into her. I know. That is astonishing and I'm kind of mad at you. Why <laughs> would you not have gone to find your person and then tried to extrapolate backwards about how you're connected? Don't you think I knew that she would kill me and then come into my no, life? No, you cut your hair short. Hair can always grow. That's true. So I think it's possible now, again, your point to, of mannerisms and voice and yeah. all the, those you know, really personal things is completely different. But, yeah. um, but I evidently looked enough like this person that people that knew me very well mistook us regularly. Doppel Christine. Christina mm -hmm. Ganger. Correct. Okay, Christine Ganger. I'm going to keep working on it. I'm going to workshop that. Sounds that sounds like a disease. I don't like that very much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, overall, the book was fine. Mm -hmm. This is That's not... <laughs> this is not my genre of books. Right. I don't typically read thrillers. Um, psychological books tend to freak me out a little bit, actually, because they make you dig a little too far into your own stuff. Yeah. And police, police, police procedurals are definitely not anything I would ever choose to read. Right. So it was fine. I, I chose to finish it <laughs> instead of going and like finding notes online or something like that because it was really well written. Yeah, and I appreciated the both the writing style and the prose. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking stuff up online in advance, and um, Stephen King, mm -hmm. who uh, is an on again, off again writer for me as well, called Ms. French's writing style nervy, and mm -hmm. I liked that. Yeah, so coming from Stephen King of all people, I liked her style. I just wasn't the the story was sad for me. Yeah. And it's not really a, a genre I tend to tap into. Yeah. So it's okay. So one of the things I thought she did really, really well was um, she sets it up at the end so that Frank never figures out exactly who stabbed. Yeah, that was good. And she figured out how to do it in a fairly believable way, which I thought was pretty cool. Did you figure out that it, had, that it was Justin? No, not until the very end. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she really strung you along. Well, I didn't... I, I would not have picked up until they actually laid it out for me that it was going to be any of the four of them. Okay. Because there were so many options, yeah. which was part of what I liked of this, yeah. that it was, it could have been the, the, the townie, right. the, um, yeah. whatever his name was, who ended up setting the building on fire. Or Ned. It uh, could have been their cousin Ned. It could have been somebody who followed Lexi as she had grifted across sure. different nations. I mean, you kind of assume it's going to be one of the four of them because... That's, That's what the whole know. story is about. Yeah. But you don't know that until you get okay. to the very end. So it was, uh, there's good mystery okay. involved so in it. So letter grade? Oh, uh, like a B minus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anything over a C, I'll take it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a teacher's pet. I know, it's true. Anything over a C is good. Yep, that's true. <laughs> so um, what, do, what are you making me, what's your payback? I actually think you might like the next book too. I, I have been remarkably kind in my picks recently. It's true, you have. I'm What's gonna wrong? have to. I don't know. It's I'm gonna have to fix that. Okay. It's a character flaw. <laughs> um, so our next book it was actually a toss-up. Um, Naomi Novak has written two books in a not a series, but in a similar kind of historical fantasy parallel time frame. Okay. Uh, one was called Uprooted, and the other is called Spinning Silver. Mm -hmm. And we're going to read Spinning Silver because you were able to get that on hold first. <laughs> but they're both fantastic. Okay. So Spinning Silver is a really loose interpretation, extremely loose interpretation of the Rumpelstiltskin um, oh, okay. kind of fairy tale. Mm -hmm. It's set in what you are led to believe, I can't remember if there's any actual clues, is kind of Eastern Europe in the uh, 14, 15, 1600s, very kind of medievalish times, post-medieval times. And 
the main character at the start is a girl named Miriam, mm -hmm. and she's from a Jewish money lending family. Mm -hmm. And her family is starving because her dad is too nice. Uh -huh. And so she's a very young child, takes up the family uh, trait and becomes a money lender. And this leads down a really interesting path with uh, people in her community and royalty in her country. And it is, it is a fantasy story, but I still think you're gonna enjoy it because the fantasy elements are woven really intricately into it. They're not unbelievable. Okay. And the story is just, she's a wonderful storyteller. Like, I would love to see her just read her works. Okay. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting one. Challenge accepted. Awesome. I love a challenge accepted. Well, thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there, and we were just in Dublin, so True. there's tea. tea there. Yes. There are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So join us next month when we will be discussing Spinning Silver by Naomi Novak. Thank you very much and keep on reading.